From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of The Revealing. Uh, I am Chris Wing, the Praise Leader here at One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, and I am, of course, joined by my uh, brother and pastor, uh, Pastor Frank Salvaggio. Pastor, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Great, great. Good to be here with you. Um, as always, we're thankful to all of you out there in podcast land who are still joining us. Uh, if you've been uh, listening to us for any length of time, you know how things go here, and uh, you also would know what uh, we've been talking about. Uh, we've been enjoying the time of uh, digging into manuscript evidence and uh, talking about why we are uh, uh, proponents of the King James Bible, and uh, we've covered quite a lot of information up to this point. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of history. We've been talking, of course, about the manuscripts that are out there, and um, you know, as we've been digging into all of that, um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that it hasn't been bogging anyone down with uh, just a lot of information because things like this tend to uh, to get deep and in, in, into the uh, can get deep into the weeds. But there's just a lot of information, and I hope everybody who's been listening has been digging into it um, on your own, uh, as this topic is is one of great importance. You know, and I think the last time we talked, we were talking about inspiration and preservation. That's a, a very very important. Uh, doctrinal thing that we need to know about as, uh, you know, if we're going to say that the Bible we have is the Word of God, then he either uh, inspired and preserved it as he said he would, or he didn't. Excuse me. And so it is definitely an important topic of discussion. And I've, uh, I don't know about you, brother, but I've been enjoying it. Um, Mm -hmm. I always enjoy uh, digging into the Word of God and seeing what he has to say about things. But again, this this particular uh, discussion that we've been having um, is is maybe just a little bit more important because you know we are talking about whether or not we have the Word of God or not, and so yeah, I, I think I think that um, you know that's kind of the thing here. If you're listening and if you listened uh, and you've taken the time to listen to the last uh, four episodes, I think we're going on to our fifth one here talking about this subject. Um, you know, listen. At the end of the day, we're not trying to sway you to do mm-hmm. whatever you feel convicted to do. Uh, we're just letting you know our position on it, why why we came to our position. I mean, it's obviously a podcast that we're running. So uh, we feel that this is important. And, you know, part of the the, the part of uh, uh, saying that uh, or why we feel this is important is because at the end of the day, you know, we have to understand the dispensation that we live in. Mm. Uh, we live in the dispensation of grace. Yeah. And this particular dispensation, uh, we are stewards over something, mm-hmm. and what we are stewards over matters. Uh, and to make sure that we understand what we are stewards over, we are stewards over the mysteries of God. Mm-hmm. And if we are stewards over the mystery of God, then we have to have the Word of God That's to right. know the mysteries of God. <laughs> and we need to know what those mysteries actually are. And if we don't have them preserved for us, then we're going to be in a lot of trouble. It brings everything into question. Right. So... You know, for us, you know what we're what we're saying is is you know why don't get don't get so upset at our position. Uh, we are just making the claim that we actually have a final authority, and that we take that final authority, and we don't have to worry about the originals because there are no originals, mm-hmm. so we can't even we, we we couldn't use that as our final authority even if we wanted to. We just believe that God has preserved His uh, inspired word. In the uh, in the uh, Texas Receptus, 
And again, that's why we say this is really not about translations into the English. This is really about what manuscript it came from. And we just believe with everything we have in us that the the, the preserved, inspired uh, manuscript that God has chosen to use as his uh, base of copies uh, comes from the Texas Receptus. Mm-hmm. And you track that down through history, and you'll see that it goes back to Antioch. You'll see it goes back to the Peshitta. You'll see that there's good basis for what we're saying, what we're saying. We think that there's definitely clues that God has given to us where he is definitely clearly made everything out of Antioch in his book uh, a good thing, something mm-hmm. that has come from God. And things that have come out of Alexandria slash Rome uh, are not. I mean, those are facts. Yeah. You can kind of put those together how you want uh, and how you don't want to do that. You know, We're not going to sit there and say that that is the only thing we have to prove it because the evidence is far more reaching than just that. But, sure. but darn it, it's the Bible. That's pretty good. I mean, God has, I mean, I, th- I think we talked about this last time. I may have mentioned it. I don't know. But, you know, God has provided that avenue, if you will, for us to know how he has uh, brought his word throughout history. I mean, when he was giving the word, it was a progressive revelation. At this point, now it's complete. We have it. But he's allowed us the ability to look back on history to see how he's done it. I mean, that's sure. a beautiful thing in and of itself that we don't, mm-hmm. we're not, you know, like you said, Pastor, we're not here to take uh, our position that we take so that we are exclusive or excluding anyone and saying, you know, if you don't read from the King James Bible, you're this or you're that. You know, we're not. But again, if God has provided the ability for us to look back in history and see the work he's done and how he's done it and how he's preserved it, he's done that for a reason, so that we can know what we have is the word of God or not. You know, here's the thing, right? And this is just something I think we should really think about. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Jude tells us to contend earnestly mm-hmm. for the faith. Yep. That's what we're doing. We're, we're contending earnestly for the faith, which comes by hearing, which comes by the word of God. We believe that God has given us every word because God said he would. That's right. We believe that God has preserved his word because God said he would. We believe that God has preserved his word in copies because God has shown us time and time again in his book that that's the way he does it. Mm-hmm. We believe that you don't need the original because there is no original, number one, and God never said anything about the original being the most important thing. We believe that uh, it's the word of God that we're going to be judged by the last by, by on the last day. Why? Because Jesus said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that we are the pillar and ground of truth, the church. And if we are going to be the pillar and ground of truth, we have to have the truth. Mm-hmm. You cannot have something that contains the truth. Either you are 100% truth or not. Mm-hmm. These are just these are these are very simple and very obvious biblical ideas that God has laid down. We can't say that we would see Jesus in ten different people. Jesus is one person, so to have ten different translations and try to figure out which one fits and which one doesn't and how that's just not how God would work. It doesn't make any sense because it's confusion, and He's not the author of confusion. No, no. And, and I understand that, you know. It's a faith-based position, if you will. And, you know, faith comes out of hearing, but hearing by the Word of God. And I understand that. But here's the thing that that really solidifies it is that, yes, it's faith, but it's an evidenced faith. 
Sure. I mean, that the Word of God tells us that. Faith is a, is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't have a blind faith, because again, he laid it out in history of how he's done this thing and allowed us to have the evidence that we can have so that we can look and say, that's the one and those are not. Yeah. You know, so it's and, evidence. And, and listen, I've heard this way too many times that it just really is getting to the point where I'm just like, folks, we need to wake up and really pay attention to what's going on and look at the facts. But I hear this all the time. Well, if you think that a majority is better than the oldest, then do what you got to do. Listen, the truth of it is, it's not a matter of majority over the oldest because here's the thing. The Texas Receptus actually has both. The Texas Receptus has majority and the Texas Receptus has oldest. Stop saying, we got to stop saying that. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will try to say that Vaticanus and Sinaiticus, those are the oldest manuscripts that we have. And that is simply not true. That, I don't know why we are pro- pro- propagating that lie. It's, it's, it's incorrect. That's something that Westcott and Hort propagated and it's incorrect. The oldest manuscripts that we have are Peshitta. And Peshitta, absolutely 100%, no doubt about it, is Byzantine text, majority text, slash Texas Receptus. So if you even want to play that game, play it right. There are some of the, there's copies of that that some people would even would argue date back to the time of the apostles. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So if we're really going to go there, then 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 do do that. Do go there if you want to go there. You don't those that come on the other side of the fence here with these other manuscripts claiming that they're the oldest and the best, that's really not true. They're not the oldest. They're not the best. Within their own, when you you pull out of Vaticanus and Sinaiticus, you can't say they're the best when you see clear erasing of words and people writing over it. That's not the best anymore. That means somebody got their grubby hands on it. So the oldest shouldn't be the quantifier. It's the it's the quality of it, what it is, where it came from, you know, but its origin. Even, but my point is, even if yeah. you're going to say oldest is the quantifier, we still have that in our in our in our ball court, okay. and and we have the Peshitta in our ball court. We we have the old we have the oldest. So what are we talking about here? KJVers. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, so, anyways, um, okay. <laughs> right. There's there's a lot there's a lot out there to. to to sift through, I understand. And so I know it can get uh, bogged down really easily on, on all that. But again, you know, the clear identifying thing is that where it came from, yeah. okay? It's the origin of the, those manuscripts. And so obviously we've, we've, we've been digging into that uh, for, for a while now, and, and, and we've, we've not exhausted by any means any of that, but we've, we've hit key points and key places and, and key people throughout history and whatnot. And, uh, I think that it's been, um, you know, uh, time well spent, and I hope that all of you listening uh, think the same thing. But now we've gotten ourselves to the place where we're kind of bringing this thing to to a wrap, to a close, maybe within this episode and the next episode, uh, before we uh, change gears and go into something else. But um, what we'd like to do now that we've kind of uh, come through the history of the importance of the manuscripts and which ones come from where, now we're going to start to get into... Uh, quote unquote, the fun stuff, if you will, where we start to look at um, these new English the differences. Yeah, the differences that that are innate within these uh, English versions, because there's so many flooding the market. I mean, there's hundreds of them. I don't know all of the ones that are out there. I just know that there's there's a lot of them, 
And uh, some of the more popular ones or or better selling ones, if you will, uh, that people might know of is things like the NIV, which is the new English or the uh, new international version. Uh, There's the ESV, the the ASV, NASB, all of these um, more popular of the new uh, modern English versions that are out there. Message. Message Bible. Uh, Yeah. And then you've got, uh, you know, we've talked about some of these other people groups, uh, religious groups, such as the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. They've got their own books as well. Um, And they all say something different. And so, you know, again, either we have the Word of God or we don't, and he's given us clear indication of which is his and which isn't, because God has only written one book, okay? He, he didn't author, like you said, you know, 10 different things, or 20 or 30, or today's, you know, got hundreds of versions on in the market. If they all say something different, they can't all be right. Um, so we're going to start digging into these different versions and, and start to compare them and see where they differ and, and, and talk about why that's important. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some some tough stuff to hear. Um, maybe you've done some of that yourself as you, uh, you maybe you you use an NIV or an ESV or something, and, and you just never have really given it much of thought. Uh, hopefully we can, if nothing else, we can spark your your mind to to start to think about, well, you know what, it does say something different and, and what's what's going on here. So... We're going to dig into that uh, this episode and the next episode and just start to compare the scriptures uh, and see what they say. So again, okay, we've talked about the manuscripts and where they come from, and, and that's key importance because if you're going to start to translate uh, Bibles, if you will, into any language, what manuscript you use is going to is going to you know, make the biggest difference there. So anything that's being uh, translated from manuscripts such as the Vaticanus or Sinaiticus from Alexandria, Egypt, is just going to be uh, corrupt right from the start. So anything that comes after that or any other translating methods that come after that is just going to add to that that corruption, if you will. But by today's standards, they, they do use different translating methods uh, when, when they're uh, translating into English, and, and one of those methods is called dynamic equivalence. And so I just kind of want to talk a little bit about that before we start to actually compare the scriptures. And so the reason why this becomes a a problem is that because a lot of the new modern versions use this dynamic equivalence. So first first place, their starting point, their foundation is is corrupt manuscripts. So that's the biggest problem. But then after that, they take those manuscripts and they start to utilize different translating principles uh, from those manuscripts into uh, the, the English language or other languages. And, and like I said, that one of those is dynamic equivalency. And so basically what that is, is that it aims to translate thoughts rather than words. So the King James is a literal translation. It's, this is what it says here, this is what it says here in, in, in English. It's a literal translation word for word. So it doesn't change anything. Nothing changes. But with dynamic equivalence, it takes the words and translates them, the thoughts of those words. And so you can imagine the the danger inherent in doing that. Even if you used, let's say you started with the the right manuscripts, let's say you're using a Texas Receptus. If you now took that and started to translate it into English using a dynamic equivalency, well, now you're going to, you're still not going to and in the right place, because you're going to take the words and you're going to start to try and make, just let's get the overall thought of what it's trying to say there. You're still changing it, um, and you're going to get, and it's going to be corrupt, even if your starting point isn't. Or So 
that's a that's a big problem uh, with these new modern versions, how they translate with dynamic equivalency. It aims to make use of simple language and style throughout. Try and make it, you might have heard this, it makes it easier to read. I can understand it better. Um, and, and that's the next thing, is that it aims to make the Bible entirely understandable by even non-Christians. And that's a problem, mm-hmm. because God is very clear in his word that if you do not have the Spirit of God, you are not discerned, and so you're not going to understand the Word of God anyways. And so what they're trying to do, again, through this dynamic equivalency, translation styles are trying to make it so that everybody can understand it. Well, that's not even the way it works anyways. Mm -hmm. So now you're taking a thought instead of the actual translation of the words. You're trying to make it sound easier to read, make it easier to read. So you're going to have to change it again there to make it easier, quote unquote, to read. And now you're going to try and make it, well, we want everybody to be able to understand it. So you're going to change it even some more. And now you're going to start to do, to avoid... Tra- traditional ecclesiastical terms. In other words, you're going to change words. Okay, well, grace actually is just love, so we'll just translate it love. Okay, well, now you're actually changing what the word actually means. Sure. Okay, so now oh, there's... One of, the, one of the famous chapters in the Bible has, been, has done The that. love, yeah. The love chapter, which, sure. which is not... The, the problem is it's not the love chapter, it's the charity chapter, if we're going to do it right. Right. So again... And charity and love mean something different. Right. And there's different types of love in the Bible you've got to know. So when you start doing that, you're, you're changing... You're Now you're just changing words altogether because the meanings now change. Um, and, and also what they try to do is it tries to adapt the, tradi- the translation to the culture of the, re- the re- receiving people. So now we try to make it culturally uh, you know, uh, equivalent to, to modern day. Well, th- this is a modern, updated you know, version of that now to today's standards. So what you're doing throughout all of this is you're completely, even if your starting point was the right manuscript, you've now corrupted it. Via the the method of translation. Well, sure, because if anything, if God wasn't an acceptance of something two thousand years ago, that doesn't change. And and we think that He should be accepting of it today. Well, then we can change what He says in His book. And if you think what we're saying right now is crazy, that is what a lot of people are doing. Oh, they are. They are changing it to be to to take things that God is very clear about Him not being very happy or that is sin. And now turning it into a situation where it's now being acceptable. Yep. And who gets who 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 has the right to do that, and how arrogant to do that? Mm. Oh, it is arrogancy for sure. Um, you know, this this dynamic equivalency uh, was created by a false teacher. Okay, uh, by a, a, the name of a guy uh, Eugene Nida or Nita. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he's the one who came about with this this uh, d- d- dynamic equivalency uh, method. And some of the things that he believes, because we did this when we were talking about manuscript evidence, we were talking about Alexandria and the people who are coming up through Alexandria, like Origin and all these guys. And we told you guys, well, these are some of the things that they believe. Well, it's important that if we're going to, if this is a method that God would be behind in the translating of this word, then the person doing it should be a solid, you know, Bible believing person. Well, this, this guy is not. He, he does not, he believes that the scriptures were imperfect and that God's revelation was not absolute truth even in the originals, which we don't have anyways, he says that the words of Scripture are, in a sense, nothing and in and of themselves. Okay, he, he denies that the Scriptures were written in a kind of Holy Ghost language. In other words, they're inspired. That, that becomes a problem for him. He claims that the Bible is limited and, and relative, and, and he, he agrees with the modernists who claim that Christ's blood was not actu- the actual offering for sin, but merely a figure of the of the cost, um, 
So you've got a major problem now. And so he, he's got all these, these crazy ideals that do not line up with Scripture. And this is the guy who is the one who created this, this method of translation. So, oh, And now this is where you got to get to the point of, okay, because a lot of people believe and think the same way he does on a lot of those subjects that you just no- noted. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we're saying. We're saying, well, okay, but we just believe we have a final authority. We believe that the Word of God is the final authority, and we don't believe what he's saying because it does not line up with the final authority says. Now, that's not my authority. That's not what I think. That's not my interpretation. It's I have a King James Bible that came from the Texas Receptus, which I believe is the passed down, preserved, inspired Word of God. I read what it says in that book, and what he's saying does not line up with mm-hmm. what God said. And That's, yet, is that a faith-based, faith-based position? Maybe. Maybe it is. But that is the position I'm going to take. Absolutely. Because I believe it is the right position. And I believe that it keeps me out of the equation completely. Sure, which it That's should. the one thing it does. <laughs> yeah. That, that, so if anything, being a King James Bible believer, if, any, if it does anything— it keeps me out of the equation if yeah. we come at it the right way. And I believe we're coming at it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it says. And that's a good way to put it. I mean, because once you start looking at these guys and what they're doing, then that's exactly what's happening is they're putting themselves into the equation. I think this is the best way to, you know, get this idea across or let's, you know, they're changing it. Well, then, like you said, that, that puts them in the equation. And if we start believing that there are many different translations where God has preserved his word in, Again, it puts me in the equation. Sure, yeah. Because now I got to decide which one's the right translation over which one's a better translation over right. which way is the better way to say it or what. Anything that puts me in the equation, in my humble opinion, that just does not speak of God. There's something, there's something, it just doesn't jive. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I'd rather keep myself completely out of it. That, that's true. I mean, that's a, and that, that's a good point. You know, anytime that we have to, because a lot of people will use, a lot of pastors from churches will, will say, well, we, we use a multitude of, of different translations so that we can get a full, you know, whatever explanation of it. If you look here and you look here, this one better explains it this way, this one better explains it this way. Well, now, again, that's what you just said. Now you're in the equation having to, you know, figure out which one's the best one. And, and, and so that's a good point. That's a good, a good way to put it. Um, we need to Remove I just don't, believe, I just don't believe God. I just don't believe God worked that way. Oh, he doesn't. He clearly it, it doesn't. just doesn't. If he's going to judge us by his word, he cannot give us a lot of different ones and think that we just got to figure it out. I just something not about his character. that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> As it shouldn't. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of problems that come come into play with this thing of dynamic equivalency, and you know, we're, I don't want to. Uh, stay on it for too long, but um, I, I definitely want to mention it so that, you know, if you're listening, you can start well, looking into that for yourself. It's the flavor of the day. <laughs> yeah. It's the flavor of the day, and you hear it all the time. I mean, just just the mere fact of people saying, I, I, I can't understand the Bible, I need a Bible I can understand. Yeah. Well, okay, that's great. That sounds great. But First Corinthians 2 it's gets clear. thrown out of the Bible now yeah. if you're going to play that game. Yeah. And you need to understand that. And you need to understand, if you go, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Well, then you probably should go read 1 Corinthians 22 and understand how God yeah. reveals. And, and, and by the way, if you have the Holy Ghost residing in you, is there anything that he couldn't help you understand? True. That's the way it I works. I mean, so maybe the reason why you can't understand it 
<laughs> you have to ask that question. <laughs> isn't because you can't understand the King James Bible. Because I'm going to tell you right now, my little nine-year-old has no problem, and okay. my 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 fourteen-year-old uh, has no problem. Well, and that's the thing, you know. Okay, so we're talking about modern versions and translations. Okay, the King James Bible, if I'm correct in this, correct me if I'm wrong, is written sixth at grade. a sixth-grade educational yep. level. Which, by the way, is the lowest. <laughs> Oh, okay. Of all the translations? Oh, yeah. oh okay. You, if I remember correctly, you need a 12th grade education to understand your NIV. Really? Yep. Oh. Um, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere close to that when it comes to the ESV and the NASB, too. That's interesting. But well, people, people always, don't know that. But people don't know that. Well, they're always saying, well, the these and thys and thous, the, the, the stuff's just archaic language, and I can't... Listen, I don't know about you, but and I'm, I'm not the smartest guy, and I know that a lot of people that I know would agree with that. But here's the thing. I, I'm smart enough to know that if there's something I'm reading and I don't know a word, I can look it up. Well, and on top of that, on <laughs> and top God of that, will define it anyway. On top of that, the, when the it context, comes to the these, the thousand, they're and important. That, listen, well, they are important, <laughs> but the other thing is, there's only about six or seven of them. I mean, come on, just figure out what the six or seven mean, and you pretty much are in good shape now. <laughs> the point being is, it's not as quote unquote archaic and difficult to understand as people think that it is. Uh, actually, the evidence proves yeah. the otherwise, and yeah. the facts prove the otherwise. And that's what this dynamic equivalence to, that aims to do is to make your your Bible quote unquote easier to read. Well, when you're excluding scriptures and omitting words, mm-hmm. it's going to become a little bit more easier to read, but the problem is it becomes more confusing in the end because nothing makes sense. You've taken things out and you can't, and that's the main thing about this that I want to point out as we start to actually compare these scriptures side by side and you start to see the omissions and the changes is that what Pastor was just talking about was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're talking about how the Word of God uh, has been revealed to us and it's the Holy Ghost who teaches us His Word and and, and shows us these things so that that we can be spiritually discerned from those who are not, because that's what His job is to do. So now what happens is that when you start to change those words via dynamic equivalence or whatever you're, whatever you're doing in these different versions of the Bible, now you make it impossible for you to rightly divide the word the way God wants it to be rightly divided, which is to compare spiritual things with spiritual things, Scripture with Scripture. If certain verses are omitted and certain words are changed over here, it's going to affect the meaning over there. So you now can no longer compare Scripture with Scripture. It's a so, toss-up if it's going to work out or not. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like this. Here, let me, let's, let's see if we can use a real-world example to kind of make the point here. So think about it this way. I remember when the Lord of the Rings movies came out. <laughs> okay. Okay? Now, now watch. Pay attention. Okay. Okay? And I remember, I remember that uh, you know, a, whole, a whole slew of Lord of the Rings fans loved, loved the movies. But then you had a whole slew of Lord of the Ring fans that had problems with the movies. And the reason why they had problems with the movies is because they had taken things out that were in the books that kind of changed the storyline, kind of made things different in the the movies than were in the book. Okay. This is what happens. Mm. Okay. And and here's the thing. How come nobody gets all up, up, up in arms about that? Like we're, you know, I know it's just a movie, but the point is, is that, but nobody, nobody argues with those folks because they have a point. They're making a valid point. The, the movies did not hold dear to the books. Now I've read the books. Okay. And I'm telling you, they didn't. There's a lot of stuff that was left out. Uh, for example, let me give you, and this is just a stupid little example, but <laughs> it makes the point. You know, the time between when when Gandalf sends uh, Frodo off into the, go to head, to head towards the the, the 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 prancing pony. Okay, in the in in the in the book, in the books, 
It's literally maybe 40 or 50 years later. In the movies, it appears as if it's within six months. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is the movies, to make things easier to understand, to make things easy, flow easier, to make people... Can't put every detail in there. They took out all the details. And those details, unfortunately, at some points, were very important. And it did change some dynamics of, of the story. Okay? This is where, where people were really up in arms about the whole Hobbit series. Because it really did. It took it, it just changed dynamics. Now, okay. I'm just using that as a flimsy example. It's just interesting that you said the word dynamic as yeah. we're talking about dynamic well, equivalency here. Well, so so now what happens is now we're this is what happens, the same thing that happens here. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you take the word of God, okay, it's like this. Uh, I would say, um, if if I have a King James Bible in my hand, I would say I have the adult version of the Bible. <laughs> If you have an ESV in your hand, I would say you have the eight-year-old kid's version. Oh, boy. Okay? And you can get mad at me for saying that, but that's, I mean, you're missing words. You've dumbed it down so people can understand it. Okay? I mean, however you want to do this, uh, it'd be like having a, a, a adult Bible and a kid's Bible. And, and, and if that sounds like I'm being rude or whatever, I, I, I'm not, though, if you just actually pay attention to it. That's what they did. They, quote unquote, made it easier to understand. But the problem is, in the aspect of making it easier to understand, what you're understanding isn't what was meant to be understood to begin with. Sure. And that's the problem. And and I don't think people quite grasp that. And I, I, I didn't mean to say that in a harsh way. I'm trying to make the example. Listen, two, there are differences. A big difference. Major differences. Yeah. And if you think what I just said is 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 incorrect, uh, is, okay. Well, let's just talk about it. Okay. How come in in the King James Bible, we have uh, in chapter Mark chapter sixteen we have the full chapter, in John chapter number uh, eight we have the full chapter, and yet in modern translations they have removed. Uh, whole passages. Or they put footnotes in there saying something about manuscripts didn't include this or something like that. So, and, and, what, and, and so what they're saying is, and, and it, is a, it is interesting because I've read a lot of how they do that in the original manuscripts. How that. do you know that you don't go have an that. original? Stop that. <laughs> Stop saying in the original manuscripts this wasn't here. Yeah. No. And then they'll, they'll even say things like in the oldest manuscripts. And again, I'm going to say, no, the Peshitta is the oldest and they were in there. Mm. So stop. Yeah. We, it's, it's, it's almost like we're trying to drive a point that is incorrect. Right. We're making wrong assumptions about things. And you have to understand the people that are behind this and what sure. it is they're trying to push. Okay. Um, but, you know, why did we take out Matthew 18, 11? Why is that not found in your modern translations? Why, why, what is the point of that? I mean, it's a very important verse. You know, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That's a big one. Listen, if we don't understand what that which was lost is, we are going to start believing that everybody is made in God's image. And that's the problem. See, you just took a very fundamental verse, you took it out, and then people are losing. And you say, wait a minute, what did you just say? Oh, you just said that we're, yeah, we are all made in God's image. No, we are not. We are made in Adam's image. Well, and so, again, that's the thing. And as we start to dig into more of these verses, what now is brought into question is, 
God's got a way that he, he makes known to us in his word of how to rightly divide it, how to uh, compare spiritual with spiritual so that you can understand what it is he's saying. Things like uh, the law of first mention, which you can only do with a King James Bible. What is the law of first mention? Well, the law of first mention is just that. When God first mentions a word, it's going to set up the stage for what that word means all throughout Scripture. He and, to define it. Right. And, but and, now and if somebody went it. in there and changed that he, word, it's, it's no gone. longer the first word. So the problem that arises immediately when you start to, and not only this, but God warns clearly in his scripture, in his word, not to add or take away from it. Mm-hmm. So when when that happens, now you're, you've completely done away with the ability to rightly divide his word, to compare scripture with scripture. As I said earlier, you now you cannot do it the way he has outlined for us to do it, to understand what he's trying to say. However, Things like the law of first mention. However, we are living in the dispensation of grace where we are the pillar of ground of truth. <laughs> And, and again, Ironic. I want to get back to that. If yeah. we don't have it, then how can we be the pillar and ground of it? Everything is well, in yes, question we do. now. No, we don't because we have become the authority now. Yeah. And we're not the pillar and ground of truth because I can't even agree with you. I'm reading something. You're reading something different. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. A- A- Acts. Okay. Acts chapter 8. Yeah, that's a big right? one. You, you start in verse 36. Mm-hmm. Now let me just read it in the King James Bible. Uh, and, and But I'm going to intentionally leave out something. Okay? And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See here is water. What doth hinder me to baptize? And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both in the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. He left the whole verse okay, out. Okay, so now here's the thing, right? If we leave out the verse that I just left out, which all, all Bible translations outside of the King James Bible does. Or they'll put a footnote. Or put a, okay. If we leave that verse out, what's going? it's going to make it a sound like is that water baptism mm-hmm. saves. Exactly. So this becomes doctrinal problem. Yes. And it, and it always affects however, salvation. However, <laughs> if you add Acts 8.37, mm-hmm. and Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. There you go. That's the, that's the doctrine of salvation. Right. It has nothing to do with the water baptism. Mm-hmm. But if you take that verse out to make it, to make it read better so that we can understand it better because it wasn't in its originals, Okay. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Do it at your own detriment. Go ahead. And See how that's going to work out. Because that is a major doctrinal problem. It, it has soteriological uh, implications Absolutely. to it. In other you words, know it's why, just salvation. You want to know why the Jehovah Witnesses believe that the Trinity is not real? Because we had a bunch of people take First John 5, 7 out of the Bible. Yep. So go ahead, read your NIV, read your NASB, go ahead and read it, and and, and tell me which one of those translations tell you that there are three that bear record in heaven, the Mm -hmm. Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Mm -hmm. But you know what? They weren't in the oldest original manuscripts. Okay, but here's the here's the crazy part. Even Polycarp mentioned it. He did, and he was uh, he was a d- disciple of John, was he? Even Polycarp yeah. mentioned it. That's way before mm-hmm. the oldest manuscript, and the Peshitta definitely yeah. had it. Sure. So you know, no, you cannot remove verses. You cannot do that. And again, that but that brings us to the point. What you don't have in the Texas Receptus is removed verses. Mm-hmm. What you do have in the Oldest manuscripts, Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. Someone, and we talked about removed that, sure. verses. Mm-hmm. So there you go, man. I mean, <laughs> the evidence and the facts are in play. Okay, you can't argue them. 
So, so you covered two. You covered two big ones there in Acts chapter eight, and then of course in First John chapter. And there's five. more. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot more. more. We were going to be talking about them, um, you know, as we finish up here. But um, those two are big because. Well, those those are actually straight up removed. Yeah. Most a, a lot of what we're going to probably Just talk about really together. is 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 how they've changed the sure. verse, which is even more dangerous. Well, just as dangerous. It's just as just dangerous, dangerous for sure. Sure. But you know, when something's not there, you can see it's missing. When something is there but it's changed, it's more subtle. And of course, we know that uh, that Satan is the, is the is the king, if you will, of subtlety. Um, but it becomes less, it becomes more difficult to, to recognize changes versus complete omissions. So these particular verses are completely so, omitted. So let me ask you this, Chris: Do you okay? So we have we believe that the Word of God is the final authority. In, in King James, yes, right. Uh, so if anybody's listening right now. I'm going to be willing to bet, if you're a Christian, most are going to say, we believe the Word of God is the final authority. Now, listen, I've met Christians that don't don't even believe that. That's crazy to me. But okay, I think most people are going to at least agree with that that to a point. Sure. Okay. Okay. So if the Word of God is the final authority, and, and, and if we have his inspired Word, do you think God could make a mistake in his book? That becomes the question. And if you're asking me, I say, no, he cannot. Okay. Do you, <laughs> do you think that when God uh, inspired his scriptures, do you think he would have messed up something uh, that would have been uh, something he had written before? No. No. Okay. So then please explain to me, okay, uh, if, you, if you got your Bibles right now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to open up to Mark, chapter number one. Mark, <laughs> this, chapter number this one. This is a good one. Okay. And, and, and listen, this is a good one. I like listen, this one. I'm just asking a question. I'm, yeah. I'm just throwing it out there for for thought. It's Mark okay? one verse two. Mark. So let's just go to Mark chapter one real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I want you to to to, to do is, if you are a, a non King James Bible uh, 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 person, uh, take your version and and open up to Mark. Uh, if you are a King James Bible person, do the same. Take, take get yourself on your on on your computer, or whatever, and just open up Mark in another version. Mm-hmm. That's I've just got, so you I'll can have see. one here for us. Yeah, just so you, oh, you're going to do that. Okay, just so you can see. What, and what version are you going to do there, Chris? Um, I can do several. Um, I can start with the NIV. Yeah, do do the NIV. Let's just do NIV as our examples because um, that's that, that's a very popular one. Okay, so watch. Okay, so we're in Mark chapter one. And the, uh, the NIV is going to say this. The NIV says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare you the way. And it says the same in the NLT, the ESV, the, you know, several other okay. versions. So it says, as written in Isaiah, Isaiah the, the prophet, prophet. Yes, sir. Um, behold, I send my messenger. And read verse 3 too. Uh, okay. Let me get to it. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare you the way the Lord makes straight paths for him. Okay. So, um, okay. So it, it tells us that, behold, uh, I'm going to send my messenger before thy face as written in Isaiah the prophet. Okay. Now let me just read what the King James Bible says. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Mm-hmm. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you ways, uh, the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Don't pay attention to that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> somebody's somebody's beeping in on us. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay. 
you may be listening going, uh, okay, what's the problem here? Well, here's the problem, okay? Now, do yourself a favor in the same version that you're in and go to, go to Isaiah, chapter number 40. Okay, let me get there. Just take me a moment. And again, we're, 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 we're giving you the example of what the NIV says. But if you have a different version, please feel free to go to Isaiah 40. Verse what? Uh, just read verse uh, number one. Isaiah 40, verse 1, in the NIV says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Well, keep going, obviously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And here comes verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Okay, so that is clearly what Mark chapter 1, verse 3 said. Verse 3. Right? Yes. But now here's the problem. <laughs> okay. But it said, as written in Isaiah the prophet, and it brought us to another passage that says, I will send my messenger mm-hmm. uh, ahead of you who will prepare your way. But now listen, folks, if you're listening right now, Isaiah didn't say that. No, I'll another say prophet did. Isaiah didn't say that. I believe it was... Do you know who said that? Malachi, the only Italian prophet. The only Italian prophet. <laughs> Malachi. Malachi. Malachi chapter three, verse number one is the one that made the statement of, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Yes. So here we go. Very, very simple. Which translation got it right? Is it Isaiah who made both those statements? The answer is no. Which he didn't. Because Malachi (laughs) made the first statement, Isaiah made the second part. Or is it the King James Bible that says, the prophets? Because he quoted two Two of them. them. Which so either right? God makes mistakes, oops, I'm sorry, it was a typo, I didn't mean to say Isaiah, I meant to say Malachi and Isaiah, or is it the King James which correctly says prophets? Now, I'm not trying to be that guy, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's I'm, simple, but it's, it's, it's a big deal, because God either makes mistakes or he doesn't. Okay, so, so if, if I'm somebody who believes in other translations, okay, that God has preserved his word in other translations, we have to come to the conclusion of... Well, okay, this this may be the inspired word of God, but you know, we, it's just not authoritative because there are mistakes. And like you said before, and so this, let's just find the one that's right. In this particular instance, it's the KJV's right, so we'll follow that one. Okay, what about the next one? Yeah, and the next one, yeah. and the next one. And by the way, you want to know what's interesting is you're all going to find out that the KJV right was the one right every single time, <laughs> and out of all of them, you're going to have to keep going back to that one to get the right the right information. And so does this matter? Oh, absolutely. Does this matter? Could God, does God make a a, a mistake in his book? Uh, I'm sorry, man. I I just cannot buy it. Let me do this. How about we go to uh, 1 Timothy 3.16? There's another big one. 1 Timothy 3.16. And listen, folks, we're going to do this for, for the rest of this episode and probably most of the next episode. And again, we're not trying to uh, down people. We're not trying to do any of that. We're trying to get you to be aware of the situation and aware of the facts of, of, of the situation so that you can make a reasonable decision on your own and, and ask yourself, is this stuff important or not? And, and again, you know, what, what you have to take this stuff to its logical end, obviously. If something's different, then 
you're bringing into question whether or not God has the power to both inspire and preserve his word. This is where the logical end is going to come down to. And God calls himself the word of God, so either he can preserve himself in paper or not, and he also you know, magnifies his word above his very name. So there's clear—he says a lot of things about his word being true, being righteous, being Omega, pure. Every jot He's and every tittle. jot and tittle. It's going to judge us in the, I mean, on, and it's established in heaven. It's eternal—on and on and on. He, he makes the clear distinction that he has preserved and inspired his word. Very clear. Okay. We've so now the question is, did he preserve and inspire Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 in the NIV? Oops, except for that, I made a mistake there. <laughs> right? So but, come on. Oh, well, okay, now did he preserve first? Timothy 3.16. Right. Because he's going to make another mistake. Yeah. Okay? And, and what I mean by that is... is is, is This is a big doctrinal one, too. Not necessarily a quote-unquote mistake, although it is definitely changing what it says. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let's ask this now. I, I'm going to take the, the, the guess that most folks that are Christians that are listening to this right now will agree that Jesus Christ is God. I'm going to guess that most believe that. Now, there's probably some that don't, but I'm going to be willing to bet that if you're listening to this podcast, you you probably believe that he is God. Very important to know that. Okay. And by the way, knowing that Jesus is God is a requirement of salvation. It is. (laughs) Again, these changes, a lot of them doctrinally will have to do with with salvation, and that's why it's so important. No doubt. Okay. So if we were to look at uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 in the NIV, is that what you got? I have the NIV. NIV. Okay. Go ahead and read to me what 1 Timothy 3.16 says. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among other nations, believed on the world, and taken up into glory. Okay, so. <laughs> now, 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 I want you to pay attention, okay? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, we have we spent... Uh, quite a few weeks talking about the mysteries of God, okay? And and in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, it says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required Mm -hmm. a steward that a man be found faithful. Okay, well, it's required that we are found faithful to these mysteries. Well, lo and behold, one of these mysteries is found in, in this particular passage that we just read, okay? Uh, and, and, and again, read what it says. Uh, beyond all question, this is the New International Version, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness brings is great. He appeared in the flesh and was vindicated by the Spirit, seen of angels, okay. so on and so forth. So the mystery of two, true godliness is great. He was manifest in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's, here, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know that there is, uh, whether you're a cult or whether you're a Christian on planet Earth, that's going to argue, uh, very, very, very few are going to argue that Jesus was not manifest in the flesh. No one's going to argue that. Yeah, You're, you're going to get a few that are going to say he was a spirit and all this stuff, but most people are going to say yeah. he was manifest in the flesh. Sure. So. Pagan Rome wouldn't have argued that. Uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church won't argue that. That's not a problem. Mormons won't argue that. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses aren't going to argue that. Uh, listen, Muslims won't even argue that. Okay? But the problem is that's not what the verse actually says. Mm. Okay? And, and again, I could, because I believe in the King James Bible. 
Well, it's, it's vastly different. And this is, and listen, this is a mystery. Oh yeah. Whereby we are going to be held accountable for because it's required of a steward to be found faithful in these things. Mm-hmm. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then what does the word of God actually say about this particular mystery? See, now this is where I say I have the authority. Mm-hmm. I know what this the word of God says about this mystery, and I know that I'm required to be found faithful to this this mystery. A lot of people are going to agree with this statement, but then again, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to agree with this statement. But do we have the final authority on the subject? Mm -hmm. I believe we do. Absolutely. And you want to know what my final authority says on the subject? What does it say? Okay, it says this, (laughs) and without controversy. Mm -hmm. That there be no doubt. What what did that say? Beyond all question. Beyond all question. This one says, without controversy. No doubt at all. There is no doubt about it. Great is Mm -hmm. the mystery of godliness. Mystery. So we and we're, yep. and we're required mm-hmm. to be found faithful to this mystery. So there's there's an important thing and there. And you want to you want to know what what the mystery is? Yeah. Not he was manifest in the flesh. Who? God oh. was manifest in the flesh. A little bit of a difference there, I'd say. I think Enter that's, sarcasm. That's that's, that's that's not just a little bit of <laughs> yes, a difference. That was my that sarcasm. That makes all the world the Absolutely. difference in the world. Absolutely. Either Jesus now, is God. Now all of a sudden, or he's not. Now all of a sudden. The Jehovah Witnesses aren't buying what we just said. Oh, no. Muslims aren't buying it. Mormons aren't buying it. I would even argue Roman Catholicism is not buying it anymore. Okay. No. Now we've just dwindled down the amount of people who are going to believe what that verse actually is saying. Mm -hmm. So you see what just happened? Yeah. We just had a situation where a verse, mostly everybody would would have accepted it. Now... He just made it so that a whole lot of people don't accept it anymore. What you just did was removed the uh, truth that Jesus is God. We just changed, and all and all we basically changed was one word. Well, we didn't change it. Right. All that basically was changed. One although word. I would argue it's no controversy. <laughs> but <laughs> that was also changed. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the big one there yes. is the difference between God and He. It's a pretty big difference. And you see how subtle that is, but how big a difference it really very, is. Very, very You're subtle. changing a huge doctrinal thing that you must very, understand for very, salvation is that Jesus is God. Very, very subtle. Yet, look at what one word changed, oh, how yeah. many people would have accepted it in one version, and how many people now don't accept it in the other. Sure. Just one word. That's, That's all we did is change one word. That's it. And this is the point that we've been trying to make all along. See, Origen didn't believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, what he did in those oldest manuscripts that we have, and I'm, if you're not, you can't see me right now <laughs> because they are not the oldest, but what he did is he changed it. He changed it so that the pagans, pagan Rome, uh, and ultimately I mean Eusebius is where mm-hmm. I was going with that. Uh, what he did is he changed it. He changed it so that pa- the pagans and the Christians alike could agree with it. But it's wrong. Mm. Who, who the heck do we think we are changing it? Mm-hmm. Jesus is God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. He is the word of God in the flesh. Now, could you d- go in, in other places in the Bible of an NIV and put those show pieces that. together? Mm-hmm. They yeah. haven't changed those yet. Yeah. Maybe but, down but, the road but, they will. But, well, but even so, you still are, that is so straightforward, to the point, Sure, can't argue it, Jesus is God, end of story. Let Why me just say it like this, and this is going to be a very strong statement, but if you think about everything that we're talking collectively about, here's, what ha- here's, here's how I'm going to put it. If any one word 
such as he or to God, God to he, if any, which is a big one, if any one word is changed, it no longer is the word of God. Even a punctuation, if if something well, then that every, then every minute of, is changed, then, then every word of God is not pure, right. as Proverbs thirty verse Correct. five says. That's the that's the significance behind what we're hoping that you'll see as we start to compare more of these scriptures with one another. Is that if any one point is changed, it no longer is the word of God. It's it may be ninety eight or ninety nine percent quote unquote the word of God, but that means that there's one percent that it isn't, and the whole thing is crumbled to but, not to, but the, that's to the ground. Not, but that's not even true, Chris. Yeah, I, I was just throwing it listen, out there for the minor- to understand. The minority text agree with the majority text only thirty five percent of the time. My point is it's so much it's more than that. not even 90%. Right. We're down to 30 to 35%. Sure. But my point is that even if it was 99%, you still have 1%, and that makes it no longer the Word of God. Either I, it I, all I, is or it all is not. I agree with that. And so that's the significance behind what we're hoping you'll see through these comparisons of, 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 of scriptures. Well, and you, and if listen, it's changed in one small point, listen, it's done. You're going to have a bunch of people on here right now that are going to say, oh, wait a minute, what about all the contradictions in the KJV Bible? <laughs> That's a whole different Can, podcast. Let me and let me and let me just say this because it is a whole different podcast. <laughs> but let me just say this, okay? I am certainly not the the the, the greatest hmm. scholar on the subject, okay? But Nor but I do I. but but I do know this. I do love my Word of God, Amen. And I do study it, and we do have it. <laughs> I do love my word of God and I do study it. As and it I was borderline atheist. Mm. And when one of my biggest issues was exactly that. What about all the contradictions that are in the Bible? Sure, a lot of people have that. And issue. so I promise you, okay, I promise you one of the first things I did when I was on my faith-based journey mm-hmm. was started, you know, I was lucky enough to have a KJV Bible, okay? I didn't understand all those intricacies at that time. I'm glad that that's where God led me now. So that I never really went into those other uh, uh, translations um, before I even know knew it was a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but I will say this: I can promise you that one of the first things I was doing was trying to find all the 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 the, the contradictions, contradictions, quote unquote. And you want to know what I found out? They don't. To this date, to this date, I have yet to be able to verify. A contradiction in the King James Bible. Now, I thought I saw a lot of them. Mm. I would go on the internet and I'd let everybody else tell me where all the contradictions were. And I'd go back and I find them all. But then you know what happened? As I was actually studying my Bible, I found out those aren't contradictions at all. Matter of fact, it's almost like God put them there to make you stop. Because what actually ends up happening is not only do you realize it's not an actual contradiction, what you actually realize is that God's really got something special for you to learn in that perceived contradiction. And if you would just really study that out and look at what God's trying to do, oh, he's going to open up a beautiful, beautiful understanding on something that you never would have got before. And, and, and how does he do that? By comparing scripture, scripture with scripture. scripture. That is such a key fundamental thing. It's, sure it, they're is. called a quote unquote apparent contradiction. So if you just take one verse, you could say, oh yeah, that's a contradiction. But if you take, you study it out and you compare scripture with scripture, you see how that is see, defined but, and built, you know, but, so you but, have to do scripture with scripture. But listen, and but, you can only do that in King But James. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 in the <laughs> NIV, that's not an apparent contradiction to show me something deeper. Right. That is just that a mistake. That is a contradiction. <laughs> Period. It's a mistake. And that's it's why a, a lot of people will say that there's Bibles full of contradictions. Well, if you're reading one of these new modern versions, then you're, you're right. absolutely right. They're full of contradictions because they, they change things. Yes. 100%. I, okay. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we exhausted. Yeah. 
So we'll uh, we'll pick up where we left off uh, next time. So tune in next time, kids, for the, <laughs> the final installment of uh, you know manuscript evidence and Bible comparisons. Um, I hope that this has become uh, a tool for you to use to start to really dig into this. And and if you're just listening now and you're like, well, you're just starting to get it's just starting to get good here. Uh, we'll tune in next time and we'll dig more into some more of the scriptures and uh, see them side by side and see how those changes are are, uh, are vast and uh, important. So uh, why don't you just go ahead and join us next time and we'll look forward to meeting with you again. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.